0: Welcome, Rick.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Very, oh, yeah. very exciting times today.
0: Yeah, so how excited are you to release two feature films or thrillers, right?
1: Yeah, so I mean, this is, a, this is an anthology of three films. And so we had the first film come out a couple months ago. Uh, the second film, uh, which is called Death of an Author. Dear Agnes coming out today and Samaria was supposed to come out in September. But due to the pandemic, they pulled it up to release on the same day as Dear Agnes. So as of today now all three films are are available.
0: Yes, and on video on demand and Apple TV on all platforms.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of a, a pay per view system almost, you know, wherever you go rent a movie.
0: Yeah, so it's um I watched both your films and it's very suspenseful. It's you know just kept me on my toes if you will and I love the the uh, narration at the beginning and it was yeah so that is it's a consistent thread right to each film like they have the integral cafe I know
1: yeah yeah there's definitely connective tissue I mean they are standalone feature films uh there's there's a lot of easter eggs I mean one of the, the thrilling aspect for us is to be able to make both films are now all three available at the same time because we hope an audience will, you know, watch them close, in close proximity because you'll find Easter eggs and there's crossover characters, there's there crossover locations uh, and the more, you know, we, we hope people will find those elements to see the connective tissue across all three.
0: Yes, and what was the feedback or what is the feedback from death of an author, um, the first one that came out?
1: Yeah, the feedback's been good. I think a lot of a lot of the fan base was looking to see the other films so that they can maybe identify those elements that we've always spoken of. And uh, you know, the first film, you know, all all three of these films were shot across the Balkans and in, in Serbia, Slovenia, and Croatia, and then in Belgium as well. And so, you know, you'll see every each film also has some locations that cross over, and we moved around a lot. Uh, to make all three of these so
0: you made it look easy you went from one one country to another country yeah so the filming is spectacular though and um so tell us about um how closely related it is to the book
1: yeah so first of all death of an author is fairly close to the book uh Agnes, and the book was called rain r-e-i-n uh and Dear Agnes was actually a series of love letters between Agnes and Henny. That's, that's the book, Dear Agnes. So there's a bit of a creative license and uh, you know manipulation to kind of make it into a screenplay. But it also fit tonally what we were trying to accomplish for Intriga. So that was the next one. Uh, Samaria is actually almost a combination of two books, a short story and another book. And that made up the, uh, like Paula Polanski was not a character that existed in Samaria originally. And so that was, uh, that makes up the five stories that are inside the Intrigo publication. And when you get the Intrigo book, the, the fourth major story, I should say, is the, the next film that we're going to be shooting in the fall. So it's, uh, that, that's, you know, the book is now available, of course, as well as Intrigo as one.
0: You know, tell us about the filming, like the process, like how involved was it? Like, did it take two years like to make it and and, uh, like,
1: yeah, it it was a long, a long procedure. I mean, we uh, I was shooting in in Serbia on another film in um, 2016, I guess. And Daniel Alfredson, the writer, writer, director of Intrigo, who I had worked with previously on the Anthony Hopkins film called Blackway. He had reached out to me to say, hey, you know, I have these, these scripts that are based on a book. I'd like you to take a look at them. I had read them while in Serbia and invited him down to Serbia and said, look, I think we could shoot these here. And if not here, in the region. And so that was probably a, a six, eight month process of scouting across a lot of Eastern Europe. We looked at Macedonia. We looked at Montenegro. Uh, we looked at parts of Albania, uh, Hungary, Czech Republic as to whether you know where we could make this fictitious country. And if it was one city that stood out, then it, it would be a disservice to the film because then an audience would say, oh, that's Berlin or that's Prague. We needed to fake it. And so you needed to m- mash up these countries to create our fictitious country. And so after a six to eight month process of identifying, okay, now, now we can make it here and where we would base and we based out of Belgrade, with our our production team we worked with previously. Uh, That was, you know, and then from there, it's a six month window to now put everything in place to cast it, to go back into Belgrade, set up shop. And then we shot for 10 months and then it was another year of post-production and now they're coming out. So it's a two, three year process on this film, maybe longer, I guess, um, from inception.
0: And, And how involved was the author?
1: working with you? So Hakan was was very involved from the start. Uh, the first process was Daniel Alfredson presenting these three stories to Hakan Nesser to say, look, I think this is something that could be published as one book and all tonally be w- as one film. And so he's a funny guy and a, and a wonderful writer, obviously, and, and kind of chuckled at the, the aspects of doing that. And Daniel and Dita, uh, the writers, of course, co-wrote this they uh, convinced them and they wrote the scripts and there's a funny story of the first adaptation they actually read the scripts to him personally rather than him reading it and he was amused by that he loved it and he's been a big partner of ours since the beginning he in fact came to the set in belgrade and in belgium and was so excited went back and wrote a fourth story that we later, that is now published inside Intrigo. So, so the three films that we had made were published in different, uh, at different times in different languages, but never in English. And so now you have three stories published in English plus a fourth story because he was so involved and felt part of it and was involved all through post-production. So very much a, a partner of ours. Unlike, you know, a lot of times when you acquire the rights from an author, they may not want to be that involved. But in this case, he was very involved.
0: Yeah so what do you want people to get from the film?
1: Yeah I mean I think what what the takeaways are is that as Hakan Nesser writes is that uh everything to get this quote right everything is not is as it seems Mm -hmm. and a lot of people around you and in your lives all have you know there are hidden stories and hidden hidden lives in there I mean I had a, a meeting this morning with a director that may be part of this saying that how many people he knows that you know, the, the son that they have, they've never disclosed to the son that that is not the father and all these interwoven family secrets and mysteries that they are all around us and that never to not, uh, turn, you know, turn your back to that stuff. And so in these films is that you start to learn that you can't trust where that character is going in their arc. You can't trust the storyline because you're waiting for that twist to come about with it. And uh, you'll see that, you know, obviously as you see all three films, that's the theme across all three.
0: Yeah. And Rick, how do you maintain your stamina? How do you?
1: Producing in general or during a lockdown? Uh,
0: in general, like I mean, how do you, you know, maintain a healthy lifestyle?
1: Well, you know, from a business standpoint, I I'm motivated and inspired by logistical challenges and and uh, complexities. I find that when you make a film that is, uh, you know, let's call it a simple production in one location and four or five actors, after doing something like Intrigo, I started to really identify that because of how complex that was and a massive undertaking, is that personally, that's something uh, that I like that it inspires me every day is to come up with new initiatives and new ways to innovate in this industry. Uh, from a health perspective, I mean, I, I think like a lot of us, you know, as filmmakers, you're doing 18 hours a day. I play hockey three times a week. I train six days a week. That probably keeps my stress levels low. I think most people around me and actors I've worked with know that no one's ever seen me sweat on a film set, even though the entire world could be coming to an end, but you'll never see me sweat. Uh, and I think it's my mental focus. that comes from uh, hockey and maybe training hard, you know.
0: That's great. And like, when did your idea or when did your passion begin for movie making? How did you always want to be a filmmaker?
1: Yeah, I've been fortunate enough that uh, I've always, I think in my yearbook from high school, it says, where will you be in 10 years? And it said, I'll be in Hollywood making movies. And uh, I think I beat that actually by four years or five years, because I actually was in the business right out of high school. Uh, I've actually, I've actually, I grew up as a child actor and that was my passion early on until I realized where my strengths actually lied. And it was probably behind the camera, then in front of the camera. And I've always liked working with people and, you know, a very goal oriented person as well. So when you go to make a film, you have your script, and that's all you have, and you're going to have to add a hundred ingredients to it, meaning your crew, and you're going to have to add. 20 cast members who you don't know who they are. You're going to meet everybody for the first time. You tell this story, you take it through post and you take it to the market and it's done. That's like, you you've actually nailed the goal and you're on to the next project. And so there's something that's always kind of been inside me. I think about setting a, a goal like that and you can accomplish it and move on and you continuously do that. So it's always motivating in life to, to continue that. I think, I've always wanted to be a filmmaker from the beginning for that reason, I think.
0: Wow. Who influenced you? Were you any any influences for you? Like any role models?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I had a lot of, um, you know, I I grew up in a small town in Canada and uh, I was always, you know, I, I had work ethic that was instilled in me very young by my father. And I think you combine that with, whether it be technology, we had a film program in our high school that was a late entry into the school system to get a film program. And so nobody really knew how to work the equipment. And uh, I, I ran with it and just started making short films and seeing the medium that, that you could use. I always you know, say that in this business, we have the ability to make the biggest impact on the most amount of people in the world in, in pop culture, ultimately. It's harder to impact a grander scale of people if you're you don't have that outlet and that this medium of filmmaking ultimately so i recognized that early that a camera can tell a story and that story can translate in uruguay or indonesia or or russia uh, so combining that with initially doing stage work as an actor i was a huge fan of a lot of the old classic actors like i was a big charlie chaplin fan and so that nostalgia of storytelling, combined with the medium that I now can control, whether anybody sees your movie or not, is a different story. But I think that was, um, you know, and I've had a few teachers along the way that, that constantly encouraged this process, even though it was, it was new and unique to that area to have a filmmaker. I mean, it was never something like, you're gonna go off to Hollywood and be successful. And it was never, it was still the doctor, lawyer, maybe be a dentist, It was so foreign to have this ability and even this you know we're talking years ago before canada really had a thriving film business it was not something where now if you grew up in that small town i talked to kids in that region saying go to vancouver you know go to toronto there's a thriving business there You, you can do it no problem you know whereas when i came through there there was this tiny little show that had just started shooting there called xbox and that's what launched the vancouver industry basically so there wasn't the opportunity back then. It was definitely foreign, um, but a uh, few, you, you know, the work ethic and the drive is certainly something that pushed me along the way.
0: Well, you are a role model for many and- uh,
1: Very kind of you.
0: Yes, and, and what is next for you, Rick? I mean, with COVID-19, um, what's-, what's um...
1: Well, we're, we're very much keeping our finger on the pulse. We've been doing a lot of interviews globally to to really figure out what is the next chapter of filmmaking. And the film industry won't look the same, much like the rest of the world and a lot of different industries. And so we've been exploring, how do you go into production? When do you go into production? What, what types of films will we be making, both from a storyline perspective and a logistical perspective? You're not, if anyone's out there developing a pandemic movie or a t- pandemic series, because they were, and their people are, but no one's gonna wanna see that because we're living there so it's got to be escapism you're going to see a resurgence of comedies and 80s john hughes comedies and period pieces those are those are subject matters that we all need to be making um how do we make them you obviously i'm sure you're like the headlines gatherings of 50 or more is probably going to be the most difficult so you're not making house of cards you're not making the avengers movies those are not happening soon and so you know we're we're working out a model that all can be done uh, both with smaller groups, smaller cast, and maybe this is a resurgence of the independent filmmaking spirit because it requires innovation and it requires us to rethink the unnecessary excess on a film set. And we're there to make a movie, not to provide services for the production crew. So, do we really need the lunch buffet to be as big as it used to be? (laughs) No. so I think you're going to see, you know, this will be a massive wave of innovation in our business, uh, how to come out of it and, and make, you know, different films in a different way, in a different fashion.
0: We need entertainment. We need entertainment. We need movies yeah. to escape. And, and, you know, it changes and, and you are a role model, you're inspiring, so there, there is a way. Um,
1: well, one of the things with our business that's always been interesting is, The entertainment business has always been recession proof, right? You hit a recession, people can't go on vacation, but they'll take the family and they'll go to the movie theater once a month and they'll buy popcorn and make an outing for the family. So we can be recession proof, but now we're learning. We're not really pandemic proof because you're seeing production companies, distributors, theaters going bankrupt and closing their doors. And they may not have a future when their lights come on. So sadly we're seeing that. but we also know that during this time people are watching more content than ever so it requires people like us to still provide the content we just need to figure out you know how to, how to do content quicker because now you're going to have this lull when the lights come on that there was a four or six month window where nothing was made so where are we 12 months from now when you're trying to go to the theater when the theater's open there's nothing fresh because not only did the studios pull their releases up from the summer up to now so you can see it while we're at home, but you're gonna have this hole in the marketplace uh, as to what's available. So it's this tricky thing of, you know, we might be recession proof, but we're not pandemic proof. And uh, while we still need to make the content. So it's a trying time, certainly in our business too.
0: Yes, and, and you know, congratulations on the opening of the two feature films. And if people want more information, where can they go, Rick?
1: You know, our, our website is, is mostly up to date. We keep that fresh, but also our social media is more. Uh, so the website is enderbyentertainment.com. We have our social media pages that uh, I believe um, are, well, Enderby Entertainment is the Facebook page. There's also a producer page myself that I, I try to help out and mentor film students as much as I can. So that's accessible and they can reach me that way. And there's also on my Instagram under Rick Dugdale as well. Uh, trying to do a lot of outreach, especially during this time, to uh, motivate some filmmakers for the future and make sure that they have the resources they need to continue to be inspired so social media is definitely where we can uh, keep track of everyone and. Exactly. Keep contact.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to add, Rick?
1: No, I think that's it. I think we covered everything. I'm just uh, excited for for the world to see all three movies at once and then and then check back with us and ask questions that's where <laughs> Myself and the director were discussing that this morning would be anxious to see the people who have watched all three to say, wait a second, the girl that opened the door to death of an author was this woman from Samari. You know, we're anxious to see how that all starts to come together, you know.
0: Yes, that's wonderful. And you know, thank you again for your time and I'll be in touch. So. Sounds
1: great. Thank you. Thank you. Really nice to talk to you.
0: Yeah, you too, Rick. Okay. All right, right now. Take care. <laughs> thanks for listening this is christine blanchette and you are listening to the run with it podcast and i have a show called run with it for sponsorship opportunities just go to my website at runwithit.ca and thanks for listening see you next time